Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. And welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. Along with Donnie Cage. Donnie Cage, there he is. How's it going, sir? Uh, it's going great. Another another end uh, to a successful week, so I'm feeling pretty good. Another Friday down, another paycheck earned, another money in your pocket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always love Fridays. All right, folks, so if this is your first time listening to us, this is what we do here is we talk about pro wrestling, past, present, and future, along with promotions and superstars. Uh, Mr. Cage also has another podcast that he co-hosts with, and that's called Uncaged Voice. You want to tell him about that, sir? Yes, the Uncaged Voice podcast has been around for a little while now, and uh, it is on our official YouTube channel. If you want to check out previous episodes, we talk, uh, we talk movies, we talk a little bit of wrestling, a little bit of other entertainment news. Tonight's episode is going to be uh, is going to be big for uh, for gaming fans. A lot of a lot of cool new announcements we're going to talk about. So it's myself, Jigsaw Jester, and Top Tier Rated who co-host the Uncaged Voice podcast. Yes, awesome, awesome. Hey, I do have a quick question for you on gaming. Are you a console guy? If so, which one? Or are you a computer gamer? I have always been more of a console guy. Uh, I I don't currently own any of the big next generation systems. But if I had to own one, it would be a PS5. Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> that makes sense because I'm... <laughs> I should have known that already because I'm an Xbox guy. So I should have known that you sh- you would just pull the opposite <laughs> out of the air. All right, folks. So also, if you'd like to stay up on current events, news, politics, all that good stuff, or hear some incredible interviews, I do host the Red Pill Current News Podcast. And we drop two episodes there a week. Normally on Wednesday and Saturdays, however, we're a little bit behind this week, so we did drop one today, hoping to drop one tomorrow as well. Also, right here, though, you can catch this program on all platforms, 73 different audio platforms, including iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, and the list goes on. And we drop new episodes here every Monday and Friday. If you'd ever like to be a guest on this show or have any questions for Donnie or myself, you can always email us at ol Kentucky spelled out 99 at yahoo.com. That's OKentucky99 at yahoo.com. Also, our website, all of our links are below in the description, our merch shop, social media, what have you. You want to follow us? We love it. We love interacting with you guys. It's a lot of fun and definitely appreciate the support. All right. So, like every episode, we always start off with my fantasy booking. Basically, what this is, is this is a segment of the show where Donnie picks a wrestler, 
either current or retired or maybe still in the game but a little bit older or passed away. Who, who knows? <laughs> and I do the same. And these wrestlers, what we do is we talk about how certain promotions didn't utilize. Some of them may utilize them very well and others not so much. And if we were the bookers on that show, how we would have booked things differently and got them on the show or even gave them a chance. A lot of times we find out that uh, they didn't even have the opportunity to go to another promotion, big stars and other companies, which makes zero sense. But as always, Mr. Cage, I'll let you start us off. Well, Kentucky guy, thank you. And I have a great pick this week. We're going to go back to the days of my childhood because, I, as I've mentioned on the show before, I started watching wrestling around 1991, 92. So it was kind of in like the golden era of the WWF right before the new generation and all that. And one of my favorites, now at the time, obviously, he was one of my favorites to hate because he was a monster heel. But especially looking back now, one of my all-time favorites was a wrestler by the name of Rodney Anawahi. You might be wondering who Rodney Anawahi is. Well, he was better known in the WWF as Yokozuna. This man was over 500 pounds of mass, and he wasn't like your typical super heavyweight. I mean, this guy could actually move in the ring. He had one of the best-looking bonsai drop finishers I ever saw, leg drops, corner splashes. I mean, he could do it all. This guy had feuds with the likes of Lex Luger, Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan, Vader, I mean, The Undertaker. Just, just name some of your top stars from that era. And Yokozuna wrestled them at one point or another. Well, he got his first big push in 1993 when he won the WWF Royal Rumble. He actually eliminated Macho Man Randy Savage from that match, which was a big deal. Because this is Randy Savage we're talking about. He goes to WrestleMania 9 at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Wrestles Bret Hart in the main event. He actually beats Bret Hart and captures his first World Wrestling Federation Championship. But this is where, in my opinion especially looking back in retrospect, the WWF started to drop the ball. Because instead of Yokozuna savoring this vic- the, the WrestleMania going off the air with him as champ, Hulk Hogan comes in the ring and disputes the decision. He tries to tell the official Yokozuna cheated when, when his back was turned and is telling him, you know, you should give Bret, Bret Hart another chance. And, you know, the referee's kind of waving it off. But then Mr. Fuji, who was Yokozuna's manager at the time, challenged Hulk Hogan to an impromptu match. Well, what happens? Hulk Hogan beats Yokozuna in less than 30 seconds and wins his his fifth World Wrestling Federation Championship. Now, the Hulkamaniac in me loved that moment when I was seven years old, but the adult, more well-informed fan of wrestling hated this decision. Yokozuna, fortunately, would win the title back from Hogan, Um, Once again, due to outside interference at the 1993 King of the Ring, he would have a lengthy run as champion. He would remain champion through WrestleMania 10, where he did eventually drop the title back to Bret Hart after already defending the title earlier in the night against Lex Luke. But what's really strange about this loss that Yokozuna suffered, he never really touched the World Wrestling Federation title picture after that. Now, I know that in real life, he had a lot of ongoing issues with his weight. This ju- this did become a major concern. Um, he, he was taken off TV for a little while, tried to lose some weight, didn't really succeed, but he was brought back, ended up having a World Wrestling Federation tag team title run with, with uh, Owen Hart, but they never, ever pushed him back into the main event. 
And I think that this was a huge mistake. I mean, maybe if they had said to him, look, we want to put you back in the title picture, but you've got to just drop a little bit of weight to get yourself back down to, you know, um, to your performance level that you were at when you started out. Um, eventually he was released by the WWF in 1997, again, for ongoing weight issues. He did tragically pass away in the year 2000, um, which was very tragic because he was not only considered a great wrestler, but he was also very well liked backstage and respected. So yeah, Yokozuna had a great career in the WWF. Don't get me wrong, but there was definitely some untapped potential. And I think especially in 1996, I was disappointed with how short his feud was with Vader because those were two super heavyweights that I really wanted to see have an extended feud and have some really great matches. Kentucky guy, your thoughts? Uh, sure. So I remember Yokozuna. I remember watching him. Uh, so I remember the Hulk Hogan incident. Um, I actually, I was like you. I loved it when it happened. I thought it was pretty cool. I I liked it when... Uh, the only match that I really enjoyed of Yokozuna's was him against Lex Luger when they were trying to bring Lex Luger in. And I didn't, I wasn't a Lex Luger fan at all. <laughs> and they tried to bring him in like some superhero that was going to destroy Yokozuna. So I liked it when he beat him. Now, Hulk Hogan was right, though. Mr. Fuji did interfere and cost Bret Hart the title. I don't know why Hogan had to stick thinking about it now why he even suck his nose into it because it wasn't like uh, he had been around. He had not been around in a while at that time in the title picture. He just kind of showed back up, and if memory serves me correct. And Bret Hart, it had been Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels had been taking over that like that division for the title. And then you, uh, you're you going to squeeze in, you know, like Stone Cold Steve Austin later. But during that time, it was Michaels and Hart. Yokozuna, as a wrestler, I guess he he was okay. Uh, I didn't like the tag team between him and Owen Hart. I remember one of his last matches right before they released him, he fought in a singles match against Owen Hart. Owen Hart actually beat him, and they went back and interviewed him at the locker room, and uh, he, he just could not believe that he lost the match to his former tag team partner. He acted like that was such a disgrace, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was the last time he wrestled on television. For the WWF. So, yeah, I think he had a good pick there. I, I, I'm i sure there was certain things that they could have done different. I do think, though, that he he was kind of self-destructive. His his handicap uh, handicapped them, no pun intended, to give him to give him bigger pushes because of the weight issues. Now, what was going on behind the scenes? I don't know. I'm sure, knowing Vince McMahon, that they probably provided him trainers and uh, health fitness people to for diets and prepared his food. And I'm sure he had enough money where he had personal chefs. It's just like he didn't care. He didn't care enough for the business to get into that shape. You know, you can dangle a carrot so long in front of somebody. If they don't eventually take it, you've got to do what? you got to get the stick out. If stick don't work, you got to let them go. So, yeah, I, there's so many unanswered questions with him. There was when he died, too, because I was looking for him to maybe come back. And the next thing I know, unfortunately, you know, tragically, he passed away unexpectedly, by the way. That was very come unexpected to me because he wasn't even uh, in the hospital or there was no word about him being sick. So good pick this week, man. Very good. 
Okay, so let's see. My fantasy booking for this episode is none other than Thomas Richardson. Yeah, so you guys remember him? He was a good wrestler. Wait, what? 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 You don't know that name? Oh, you probably know him just by his ring name. Tommy Wildfire Rich. Yeah, we're going old, old school. And basically what I want to talk about this gentleman is he had a bunch of success, a very successful uh, career. He's still wrestling, by the way. Well, he's a manager. He's still in the business, though, at 71 years old. And there's one company that never offered him a contract. Let's see if you can guess who it is as I read a little bit about him. Tommy Wildfire Rich. He is a one-time former National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Champion and Smoky Mountain Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. He started in 1974 in the regional promotion in Tennessee after training with Jeff or Jerry Jarrett and Jerry the King Lawler. Now, Georgia champ, let's see, throughout the 80s, he alternated his time between Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama territories. This was when the wrestling world was split into territories uh, of the National Wrestling Alliance. He won dozens of NWA regional titles during this time. He is best known as one of the original stars of the TBS wrestling shows from the 1970s and 80s. His bloody feuds with Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer, Ole Anderson, Ivan Koloff, the fabulous Freebirds, and every other major heel to come through the Georgia Territory made Rich one of the most popular wrestlers of his period. On April of April 27th of 1981 in Augusta, Georgia, he won the NWA World Heavyweight Championship at the peak of his career. And if we go to look, he was a heavyweight champion, and this is in different promotions, 26 times, 26 times, 15 tag team, 15 times, 15 different promotions. He was a tag team champion, and he's been inducted into four Hall of Fames. And like I mentioned, he's still in the wrestling business. This guy was even in ECW, and he took on this gimmick role where he was the manager of the uh, Blooded Italians. So which company didn't even offer him a contract? The WWE, not once, not once did they offer this incredible athlete a contract. Why? What is the deal? What's going on? And I'm talking about during his peak. I'm not talking about after it was all said and done or even during the 2003 or four when he was with ECW. I'm talking about even in his youth when they went in there and they destroyed the territories, they did not try to recruit. This young man. This young man has beaten. So his first title, heavyweight title, he beat Harley Race, one of the greatest to ever lace their boots. He's beaten Ric Flair. He's had wars with Sting. This guy was the real deal. Now, you may say, well, I watched some of his matches and he wasn't very flashy. No, he wasn't. But guess what? He was great on the microphone and he had pure raw talent. Pure raw talent. And the fans loved him. Loved him. And I think that that is a major mistake that Vince McMahon made very early in his career. I understand Vince was very early in his career back then. But why? Why would you not give this feller a chance to at least come and try? I, he already had a following. He was one of the most popular 
wrestlers around. So why not give him the opportunity to come and showcase what he did? By the way, Tommy Rich and Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair are the three in Harley Race are the four that really they were the Attitude Era before the actual Attitude Era in WWE, if that makes sense. These guys had bloody matches. They were the first ones to really bleed all over the place. If you watch some of the old matches now, when I was doing research for this, I found that they actually, they blotted out, like they they blear it out. It's so bad, some of the bleeding in these dog fights and cage matches. So I really think Vince McMahon and those guys dropped the ball. Your thoughts, sir? So admittedly, my sample size of Wildfire Tommy Rich is pretty small, but I am familiar with him. Um, I know that besides the work that he did in Georgia and Memphis and NWA in, in the prime of his career, he came back in the late 80s and was trying to make a second run with the company, which was WCW at that point. He kind of was kept in the mid-card at that particular time, which was unfortunate because he still had a lot to offer. I do remember his days as the Big Don in the FBI uh, in ECW, which was done more as a joke, which is kind of a little bit unbefitting of a wrestler of his talent. Um, You know, Vince McMahon was in the early 80s when he was planning to take the WWF National. He was recruiting different wrestlers from different territories, so you would have thought that this would have been a no-brainer. Let's take a guy who's super popular in the NWA and bring him into the WWF. But I also think that because of the way Vince is, this whole idea of, well, I got to have these homegrown talents who look like these larger-than-life action-figure type wrestlers, Wildfire Tommy Rich might not have fit in with Vince's scheme at the time because he was changing the image of the classic wrestler compared to what we had seen in the 60s and 70s with other with other wrestlers. So I agree 100% that Vince missed an opportunity, but in some ways Tommy Rich also dodged a bullet because I think when Vince started to shift away from the more traditional wrestlers like Bruno San Martino and Bob Backlund and would shift over to like your Hulk Hogan's and your Jesse Ventura's and all them, Tommy Rich would have just gotten lost in the shuffle. But uh, no, still a good talent and definitely a guy that deserves his accolades. Yeah. uh, By the way, when he was manager of the FBI, you're right. That was a, I didn't care much for that gimmick either. However, he did help them secure the ECW tag titles a couple of times. <laughs> so, but it was, uh, it was, yeah, it, he was, he was better than that. I, I can see him as a manager. That's what he's doing now as a manager and being a great manager, but you don't have to, he didn't have to fool that full blooded Italian stuff. In my opinion, I'm, I'm just like you on that. Okay. So let's move on. Let's see. I've got the first headline. Here we go. First headline of today in wrestling news and rumors. Around the water cooler. (laughs) WWE scrapped plans for a huge WrestleMania 39 main event revealed. Finally, we got some answers. Cody Rhodes will now main event WrestleMania 39 night two. But WWE originally wanted him in the main event of night one. Triple H's plan, original plans for the main event of the first night of WrestleMania which have now been scrapped, have emerged online. However, when The Rock pulled out of the show in a scheduled match with Roman Reigns, things changed and Triple H had to shift plans. 
what was WWE planning for the main event of WrestleMania 39? I think you guys will find this very interesting. Cody Rhodes will main event WrestleMania 39 alongside Roman Reigns for the Tribal Chiefs undisputed WWE Universal title. However, the original plan wanted The Rock back for the show, hoping that he'd face Reigns in the main event of night two. That didn't happen. That didn't end up happening. And with The Rock unable to compete, Triple H was forced to alter his plans and go in another direction. Should The Rock have appeared, the report that Seth Rollins would have faced either Cody Rhodes or Drew McIntyre in the main event of night one. You see, a lot's changed since November. Rundowns as the period had two title matches happening. So they were splitting the belt. One night, one, or one night, one or the other, or on night two, Cody was listed as an option for both of them with to be announced against Cody Rhodes. And then you had versus Coleman Reigns set as a universal title match. And Rollins versus Rhodes or Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. But when The Rock, who presumed to be the uh, to be announced for Roman Reigns, made it clear he wasn't going to WrestleMania, instead, Roman faces now Cody Rhodes. This also led to plans for the WWE Championship and Universal Championship being separated to be postponed when Triple H insisted keeping the titles undisputed heading into WrestleMania. As covered, instead of potentially facing Seth, Cody will be sharing the ring with Reigns, WWE's top star at WrestleMania 39. But where does this leave Rollins and McIntyre? After being eliminated by him in 2023 Royal Rumble last month, Rollins is set to share the ring with Logan Paul at WrestleMania in April. The match will be an all-out, well, was all-out but confirmed when Logan Paul got involved in the Elimination Chamber last week. Also, Seth called him on Raw. We'll, we'll get into that when we go over the uh, Raw uh, results. McIntyre, on the other hand, challenged Gunther to a match for the Intercontinental Championship after SmackDown last week. However, Sheamus is Ruben, rumored to be getting added to the match, making it a, a mouth-watering three-way dance. Uh, okay, so, wow. So we've, we've both said this, that they need to split the belts again. It looks like, you know, I wouldn't be so sure, folks, that Cody Rhodes is going to win the belt at WrestleMania. After after reading this report and then reading it again to you all, I I I wouldn't bet money on it that he is going to win it. And the reason why is because there's definitely a plan somehow to split these belts. So wrestling things change and they change in a hurry sometimes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Your thoughts, sir. Well, there's no question that a lot has been going on behind the scenes. Um, the plans were to have one world title defended on night one. Second title was going to be defended on night two. The Rock wasn't able to make it, so they had to change plans. There are no guarantees in life, Kentucky guy. Even though I would love to see it, I would love to see Cody Rhodes finally get to the top of the mountain in WWE. Nothing is ever 100% guaranteed. So all we know is that that match is happening. It's happening on night two, Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. It's going to be it's going to be a great match. Who is going to win yet? It, you know, it, it's hard to say. Um, but I will say that the original plans, which were for Cody to compete on night one for one of the world titles, against either Seth Rollins or Drew McIntyre, that would have made sense because he has 
a storied history with both guys. Seth and him went to war with one another last year in three different pay-per-view matches, and he also was a former tag team champion many years ago alongside Drew McIntyre. So there's plenty to build a story around there. But this is what we ended up getting, Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns, which I'm looking forward to, and I know fans are looking forward to. But, uh, I mean, I mean, it is it is just kind of crazy how much of a whirlwind it is behind the scenes and how creative plans change. Yeah, I here's my only gripe about this whole thing is why are they even mentioning Drew McIntyre's name when it comes to any titles? We have Bobby Lashley. We've got so many killer athletes besides this stupid Scottish guy. Why is... I just don't get it. I do not understand. Okay, so, sir, you've got the next two headlines, but before we do that, let's go over some Dynamite results. All right, so during this week's Dynamite, we had the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal. We had Dark Orders, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. Uh, Claudio and Wheeler Yuta team. Rush and uh, Preston Vance. The Lucha Brothers. The United Empire. Top Flight, Mike Bennett and Matt Taven. And the winners of the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal, which is I just so stupid. Just my Oh, we also had the Butcher and the Blade, and Orange Cassidy and Dan Hoos were involved in the match as well. But the winner, <laughs> this was one of those ones where you just shake your head and you're like, yeah, the tag team division doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything to these guys anymore. And your winner of the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal is Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy. Yep, yep, that's what I said. Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy. That's how sad the AEW tag team division is. I'll go ahead and let you uh, give your thoughts on that match before I move on to another one, sir. So one question I have for you, Kentucky guy. Now, I've already made it clear that I'm not a Dan Housen fan, and Orange Cassidy is just one of those take them or leave them in small doses kind of guys to me. But I thought you were a Dan Housen fan. I, I thought you would have been overjoyed to to have him win the uh, t- Casino Tag Team Battle Royal. What changed? Where did you get that ever in your life? Dan Housen, the guy that puts curses on people? <laughs> did I say did I did I say I liked him? No, I don't like him. I never I thought he was funny when he first showed up, but he's not a wrestler. Well, well, in any case, um, this was definitely the wrong booking decision. I think it's safe to assume that the Gun Club are not going to drop the belts to Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen, but I shouldn't say that too soon because the way they've been booking the tag team division in recent months, um, anything's possible with Tony Khan. So that's not a guarantee, which honestly, if they win the tag team titles, yeah, um, you might as well just cancel the tag team division at that point and only focus on the trio spelts. Right, and here's the thing. Orange Cassidy, let's just go ahead and talk about it. Orange Cassidy had a match, a singles match, where he defended his Atlantic title earlier that same night against uh, Big Bill. We used to call him Big Cash. And he won that match after Cash pretty much destroyed him i thought all match but yet somehow they call him big bill i guess is what they call him now but somehow his little fist punch superman punch orange punch whatever you want to call it a few of them and big Kaz is out 
Yeah. And then he teams up with this guy later that night and wins this battle royal. So you want to, uh, I don't think that he should have won the match against Big Bill. And I don't understand this push with him against these Brian Cage and these big athletes that could easily snap him in two. Yet they're allowing him, creative is allowing him to win these matches. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'll let you talk about it. Maybe you can explain it to me. I don't get it. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just not drinking enough uh, freshly squeezed uh, OJ in the morning to uh, to get to get it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at you look at the former W Morrissey, Big Cass, Big Bill, and you think, yeah, he should be able to destroy Orange Cassidy very quickly, especially with the whole nonchalant in in ring gimmick. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're really strapping, strapping a rocket to this guy right now, um, which, you know, I don't necessarily agree with, unfortunately. But this is the hand we've been dealt. Yep. Yeah, you can pretty much mark the Atlantic Championship right there with the tag team. Uh, Tony Khan, you are a superb businessman, if you're listening, or if somebody can get this to him. I think you're very good at business. However. I think you need to let somebody else take over creative and booking right now, just for a while. Remember, you've never been trained in that area by a true booker or creative. So get somebody in there that's done it, and let's save this company before you go any further, because it's just ridiculous. Another match we had was Chris Jericho versus Peter uh, Avalon. I thought Jericho won this match. I thought Jericho looked weak in this match. I don't understand why he. I just don't understand why they're using him to make these wannabes look stronger. But anyways, he did win. He won fair and square. I thought it was great. Uh, the next match, uh, Hook defended his title, the FTW Championship, against Matt Hardy. I actually thought this match was pretty good. There was a lot of interference on Matt Hardy's side, and Matt Hardy didn't do anything about that, which is, I don't know what he's doing. He's doing the delete thing again, but he's still with this this crew that actually won him in a match. Anyways, Hook Hook <laughs> Hook retained his title and overcame all the obstacles, and I thought that was great. And we had Tony Storm versus Rojo. Uh, yeah, the former Ruby Riot. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, the former late, the first ever women's champion, Rojo's. <laughs> I don't know where I got Ruby Riot from. Uh, and she actually won. She defeated Tony Storm. So I thought that was great. And then I'll go over the last one and we'll let you talk on them. And then we had the face of revolution ladder match. We had uh, action Andrade versus AR Fox versus commander versus Casita versus Ortez versus powerhouse Hobbs versus Sammy Rivera versus Eddie Kingston. And your winner, shockingly to me, powerhouse Hobbs. So now he's going to have a chance to face Samoa Joe or Wardlow, whichever one wins the match between them, for the TNT Championship. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Powerhouse Hobbs won that match. It's not only interesting that he won that match, but also that Starks wasn't a part of this match at all. Hmm. One of those things that make you say, huh. And then the Elite, they were on their way to the ring. The lights went out. Lights come back on. The House of Black was standing there behind them. The lights went out a second time. The lights come back on. 
the elite are laid out. They didn't even make it to the ring. And the House of Black were holding the titles, the trio titles. However, they said they're going to lay them right there and they're going to win them at Revolution. Your thoughts on the final matches of Dynamite, sir? Well, this is exactly how you should book the House of Black to make them look like they are a real threat to the elite. So kudos to the creative team for finally making the House of Black look strong after they were booked so poorly for the longest time. So congratulations there. Um, as far as Powerhouse Hobbs winning the ladder match, you know, he's okay. But personally, if it was me booking the ladder match, I would have chosen Sammy Guevara. I think he's the best worker out of everyone that was involved in that match. Um, you know, Rio versus Tony Storm. I mean, I feel like they've been trying to book Tony Storm to look strong because she's paired up with Soraya right now. And I know Rio was the very first AEW women's champion, but she hasn't really been relevant since she lost the belt a while back. So to me, this was a mistake not booking Tony Storm to win this match. Um, Chris Jericho versus Peter Avalon was a nothing match. I mean, give Chris Jericho a real opponent. Um, Regardless of how I feel about how he's entering the twilight of his career or not, this was not a good enough opponent for Chris Jericho. I'm just going to say it. And um, and then as far Hook. as Hook. Hook versus Matt Hardy. Um, once again, you know, I appreciate that Matt Hardy put a young talent like Hook over. But Matt Hardy's another guy. I don't think he has anything else to prove in ring. I would rather Matt Hardy just be an, you know, an on-TV character and a manager, and maybe even be involved with the creative uh, side of AEW, but not an in-ring competitor anymore. Hook is an up-and-coming talent. He's got to face other up-and-coming talents, or at least wrestlers who are in the prime of their career. Yeah, that's one thing I have to say. He has not had an actual true challenger since he won the FTW championship. I mean, let's just be honest. He hasn't had a true, a true like star and uh, but he's on TV more, so I'm good with that. All right, sir. So you have the next two headlines. Let's do the buzzer. <clears throat> Update on major stars' status following shock suspension rehab. Matt Riddle, it has been claimed, should have been able to return to WWE quite some time ago. In December, it was reported by Bodyslam.net that Riddle had failed a drug test and will be off WWE TV. The report that emerged in late 2022 from Body Slam claimed that Riddle had violated WWE's wellness policy for the second time and had subsequently been suspended. Riddle wasn't just suspended by WWE for his failed drug test, but according to the aforementioned report, the United States champion was also sent to rehab. However, Riddle's suspension and absence was only supposed to last six weeks. It's unclear why he hasn't returned to TV yet. He's been out of rehab for a long time. His suspension has been over for almost a month now, four weeks. I presume he'll be back, but when he left, they made a point of saying he was going to be gone for six weeks, and we're at about 11 or 12 weeks. And this is a report from Dave Meltzer. It may be that they've just decided not to use him for mania and not do anything with him, or maybe they just don't want to invest in him. Prior to his suspension, it seemed like Riddle was one of the WWE stars that Triple H wanted to do something with when he became Chief Content Officer in July. It remains to be seen whether or not WWE has proper plans for Riddle in 2023, but it wouldn't be too surprising to see Triple H look 
to push the former UFC star when he does make his return. Some have speculated WWE could be holding off until Randy Orton, Riddle's former tag team partner, is cleared from his injury before bringing the pair back to TV as a unit. <clears throat> so, I appreciated, uh, I almost said rated RKO, RK Bro, when they were a tag team for a little while. I thought Orton and Riddle had an interesting chemistry. Um, I was excited when they won the tag team titles. They had a pretty good feud with the Bloodline for a little while. But Randy Orton was then taken off of television because of a serious back injury, which he's still rehabbing to this day. And Matt Riddle failed the drug test. Now, Riddle had a, had a feud going with Seth Rollins for a while, which ended in that fight pit match at Extreme Rules. Riddle's a great talent in ring. There's no question about it. I sometimes find his character to be funny. Other times I think they're just playing up the whole pothead gimmick a little too much. Um, you know, he's got to get his personal life together. There's no question about it. You can't take a chance on somebody who's failed two drug tests and who has to go to rehab. You got to make sure that they have things in order and can perform at a high level. Otherwise you're going to wind up with a Jeff Hardy situation. So let me give you a little bit of insight that I've heard. And I, I, I would say that it's probably true. So we all know how Vince McMahon has hangups, right? Like if you work for Vince and you left and went somewhere else, at one time he would take it personally if you were a friend of his and he wouldn't hire you back. Or if you did come back, he'd give you, you know, he'd, he'd give you horrible, he wouldn't do anything with you when he come to booking you. Also, NXT had a habit of superstars that were superstars in the indie and NXT. They'd come to the main roster and he wouldn't, you know, and as we discussed earlier, he had a certain type of wrestler that he had an image of. And if you didn't fit that image, you didn't really receive the proper push that you should have had in WWE, right? So that's his. I heard, I found out that, and like I said, folks, always do your own research. But I found out that the one and only major pet peeve of Triple H's is drug. Evidently, something has happened in his life with a loved one or friend or something and he's lost he's lost somebody close to him to drugs and if an, a wrestler fails a drug test he has a really hard time doing anything with them and i heard that's his one hang up now that's not a bad hang up in my mind but you know you're still running a business and if the guy went to rehab for you and everything you ought to give him another chance at least or at least let him out of his contract and let him go back to the independent scene or what have you. But that is the, that's the only insight that, uh, I have on that. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, you know me, I wasn't a big riddles fan anyways, but I did like the thought of Randy Orton coming back and kind of turning on him and, you know, RKOing him and telling him to stop using his moves and all that stuff. So I don't know. But, uh, have you heard about that pet peeve of Triple H's? Well, it doesn't surprise me because I've always heard that Triple H is a very lives a very straight and narrow lifestyle. He's never drank, he's never done any sort of drug. So that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all. And 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 sometimes I got to applaud him for that because it's for for people who are battling any sort of substance abuse, they're a liability. I mean, that's just the bottom line and you know, you feel bad for people who are obviously struggling with addiction, but you know, you're a professional. You've got to get your life in order. 
And plus, as you mentioned, he failed it twice. Come on, man. Okay, you messed up. You fell it once. I got it. But you know they're going to test you again. What are you thinking, knucklehead? All right. Here we go. Next headline is yours. See. Bully Ray on a Dudley Boys in-ring reunion. I don't think that Devon can do it anymore. Bully Ray was recently interviewed by Chris Van Vallette. Physically, I don't think so because I don't think Devon can do it anymore. We've had the conversation, and for the world to know, because people on social media take things out of context, it's ridiculous. Me and Devon have been like this tight since day one. There's never been an issue with me and Devon. Zero. None. Devon said, Bubba has his school, I have my school. Yeah, because I moved out of Florida, Devon wanted to do a school on his own. This is just normal stuff that went on. There's zero heat. That's true, though, but it didn't cause a divide. I told Vince that I can't do the Dudley thing anymore. I can't do this Dudley thing the way that you want to do it. I did it for a year. Vince sat me and Devon down and said, here's what I want you to do. Work with the New Day. Help help them get over. Work with the Usos. Help them get over. Work with the Wyatts. Help them get over. And then whoever else we throw at you. Okay, you got it. No problem. The boss sat us down. This is how much he is paying us. This is what he needs. So I know I've got Bully, Bully Ray in the back pocket. I told Devon up front, I said, listen, I don't think I'm going to re-sign. So we knew all of this. He re-signed and became a producer in the company and an employee in the company. We've done shows together. We're doing an autograph session in England. We got something coming up at the arena soon. It's all good. Yeah, um, people who keep calling for a Dudley Boys reunion, I mean, you got to remember, these two are not spring chickens anymore. Bully Ray is working as a single star in Impact Wrestling, where he had his great, with some of his greatest success. Devon was a producer in WWE and now is taking time off. I think he was having some health issues a while back, but I think he's better now. But for people to keep asking, are we going to have another Dudley's reunion? It's like, give these guys a break. They've literally given their blood, sweat, and tears for this sport. They deserve to enjoy their semi or full-time retirement. Just let Devon do his own thing. Stop asking for all these Dudley boys reunions, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people, they think that the Dudley boys, when they came to the WWE, that's when they started their careers. But that's not true. They actually, they, they basically, well, they did. They started their careers in ECW. And that's why I think a lot of people don't realize you know, they're over the hill. I mean, they're, they're, they're just, they're old and people get old. It happens. It, it happens. It's a part of life. Unfortunately, we're all going to get there. And if you don't think you're going to get there, boy, oh boy, you have a wake up call coming. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if Devon can go anymore. I mean, Devon was a great wrestler. I, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed Bubba Ray. Bubba Ray. I watched his last match against, uh, Alexander Jones for the title. Bubba Ray looked slow, to be honest. He didn't look, you know, of course he slowed down over the years, but he looked like maybe, just maybe, uh, you know, he shouldn't be doing that anymore, at least at that high of level. So I don't know. That's just my opinion. He took some hard, <laughs> he took some hard, hard hits during that match. So I guess we'll find out uh, how he'll do because he's still wrestling with impact. Not every week, though. If you'll notice, his his schedule is he's basically just wrestling their pay-per-views now. Okay, let's get on to the next headline here. 
WWE WrestleMania 39, Logan Paul was originally set to face a major legend. Logan Paul, according to reports, was originally set to face John Cena at the WWE WrestleMania 39. Paul will be sharing the ring with Seth Rollins at the biggest show of the year in April, but the original originally had even bigger plans for him. WrestlingNews.com is reporting that the big Cena vs. Logan match was penciled in last year before Triple H changed his plans. As noted, Logan is now set to go one-on-one with Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 39 with the match now all but confirmed by the WWE. However, WrestlingNews.company is reporting that in late 2022, a match with, uh, between Logan, late 2022, okay, a match between Logan and Cena was being planned by the WWE. So that makes perfect sense because of the last headline, Cena or uh, Rollins was going to face McIntyre or somebody else for one of the titles. So I can okay, yeah. Uh, sometime in the fall, WWE had Cena penciled in for the match against Logan Paul. In fact, Cena teased this on social media, and Paul has stated that he would love to have a WrestleMania match with him. That was the match that was planned as of December. But by January, remember what happened in December? The end of December, that's when The Rock said he wasn't in shape and he couldn't make WrestleMania. But by January, they pivoted to Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. So, as noted, the match won't end up happening. Uh, the WWE is going in a different direction for both Logan and Cena at the big show. Cena was announced by WWE last week to set to return to TV on March 6th, which is Raw coming up next week. The show, which takes place in Cena's hometown of Boston, is set to set up the 16-time world champion big WrestleMania match. At the show, Cena is slated to face Austin Theory, which WrestlingNews.com has now confirmed, noting that John sees the United States champion as a future main eventer. Cena absolutely believes that Theory has the tools to become a main eventer, and people in the company see things in theory that fans have not seen yet. We don't know what the finish will be for the match, but those we spoke to believe that Cena is coming in to help put Theory over. Of course he is. Theory has been building the match with Cena on his own in interviews and on social media over the last few weeks. The fans aren't expected to have to wait too long to see the pair share the screen on television together. And that's going to happen this coming Raw. So, yeah, John Cena versus Logan Paul. I don't know. I don't think I would be as excited to see that match as Seth Rollins kicking Logan Paul's head in. That's just me, though. Your thoughts? I mean, that would have been just been a case of two part-timers wrestling each other. And I always have mixed feelings when you have a part-timer versus a part-timer wrestling each other. Um, even though I understand you got to have the big the big names at WrestleMania each year. I think John Cena versus Austin Theory makes a lot more sense. Austin Theory is the reigning United States champion. Cena had a historic reign as the United States champion. Most people say, uh, you know, the reason the United States title gained more prestige in the WWE was because of John Cena's run and because of the open challenge he used to do. So this makes total sense, um, this match. What, what heat... John Cena and Logan Paul would have had with one another. I I, I don't I don't understand. Um, other than the both being celebrities, I just I, I don't get what the the beef would have been there. Yeah, I don't get it either. Uh, 
like I said, I'm more excited to see Seth Rollins kick this guy through the ring. So speaking of Rollins, let's go over the Raw results real quick. All right, so we have the uh, undisputed WWE Tag Team Champion Jimmy Uso and Solo, his brother, Sequoia, uh, versus the Street Profits winner, Solo, Sequoia, and Jimmy Uso. I don't know why the Usos are still fighting the Street Profits. I don't know why the Street Profits are even the Street Profits still. They cannot seem to win a match as a tag team. We've seen how phenomenal Montez Ford is during the Elimination Chamber as a singles competitor. That should have catapulted his singles career, and I don't get it. We also had Cody Rhodes, who wrestled against Chad Gable. You know, Chad Gable, Cody Rhodes won the match, but Chad Gable actually gave Cody kind of a run for his money there for a little bit. Uh, Gable, man, he's so good, but yet he just they just will not let this guy win. But he is, he really, he he impressed me in that match. And then we'll go over one more and get your thoughts. Uh, we had Asuka versus Carmella. Asuka was the winner. Of course, Asuka was the winner. She's got to look strong. Headed into her big match to finally take away that title from Bianca Belair. Your thoughts on those three matches, sir? Happy to see Asuka pick up the win because, as you said, she's got to look strong going into the match against, um, against Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. Um, yeah, Chad Gable looked great in his match against Cody Rhodes. He did not look weak in defeat. I truly believe, Kentucky guy, that Chad Gable, when his contract expires with WWE, he needs to go to either New Japan, Impact, or possibly even Ring of Honor, because that's where he's going he's gonna to be showcased better. That's where his wrestling ability is going to be front and center. Um, he's being wasted in WWE right now. Um, and that's pretty much been the case ever since American Alpha split a while ago. He's a great wrestler and deserves to showcase his talent uh, where it will be appreciated. Um, and then as far as the tag team match, I mean, obviously the bloodline going over makes total sense. This would have worked so much better, though, if it was a singles match. Montez Ford against either Jimmy Uso or Solo Sokoa. A tag team match with the Street Profits didn't make any sense here. Um, it's clear that they have big plans for Montez Ford in the future, and I do support the the dissolution of the Street Profits at this point in time. Yeah, I think any true fan supports that notion now after seeing the Elimination Chamber match. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we had Piper uh, Neveen, I guess, I don't know, uh, Honeydew or whatever her name was. Uh, she fought against Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae actually won the match. I was happy to see that. It's about time they start putting her over. It seems like she was just brought there like uh, Emma to lose. <laughs> we also had Bobby Lashley versus Elias. Bobby Lashley completely destroyed Elias. You know, bring Elias's brother back or send this guy on his way. Do something because he was truly brought back to lose. That's all he's done since he's been back. And then we had uh, Otis versus uh, Johnny Gargano. And Johnny Gargano won the match, who he also impressed me during the Elimination Chamber. And I can see him for a mid-card title, something like the Intercontinental title or uh, the United States title here in the near future. I thought he was pretty impressive. Uh, he did beat Big Otis. Otis, of course, not a maximum model yet, but looks like he may be heading that way, which is, I don't even know what to say about that. 
But uh, all right, sir. You're before we get the last match. You want to talk about those three? Yeah, Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling going over makes total sense. The Otis and Maximum Male Models gimmick, you know, it is what it is. I don't really care. Um, uh, man, uh, just yeah, just thinking about that. Um, the uh, oh boy, Lashley. No. So Lashley against Elias, you see, this is how irrelevant Elias has become. His gimmick used to be great. I used to love when he would come to the ring and have the crowd uh, chant walk with Elias for what WWE stands for. But uh, yeah, Bobby Lashley um, destroying him makes total sense. Um, what did you think of the uh, the stuff with Bray Wyatt that happened afterwards, Kentucky guy? Yeah, yeah, I actually have that wrote down. We'll talk about that now. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> So it's pretty obvious that Bray Wyatt is coming after Bobby Lashley. And as we discussed on SmackDown, how Bray was sitting there and supposed to be like a producer watching Bobby Lashley talk about Brock Lesnar and Bray Wyatt, how he's not afraid. Dude, you better get afraid because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm kind of wondering if, and I know Bray Wyatt said he was dead, but Bray Wyatt's lied. We've called him in several lies <laughs> since he, well, you know, part of his story script. But Bobby Lashley, you may be fighting the Fiend at WrestleMania. And if that's true, you lose. It's over. You can't beat him. Your thoughts on that? I'd be I'd be totally in favor of, uh, of the Fiend coming back at WrestleMania, even if it's just for a one-time appearance. And I do agree. If he, if he wrestles Bobby Lashley as the Fiend, He's probably going to dominate that matchup. I mean, I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, the Piper Niven um, Candice LeRae match. I mean, I don't know which one they're really giving a push to or not. It's yeah, it's good to see Candice LeRae pick up a win on TV. I think Piper Niven's actually a pretty talented worker. Um, I I always said I hated that Dew Drop name that she had. You called her Honey Dew. I was like Honey Dew, Dew Drop, whatever we want to call her. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, as far as what is going to happen with either one of them next. Who knows? Um, yeah, kind of all I have to say about that match. All right, and then we get into our main event. Oh, so this is uh, this Raw. I have to be honest with everybody. This Raw cost me $600, and I'll tell you why. I don't bet, so don't be thinking anything like that. After this match I'm getting ready to talk about happened, I took my remote control and crushed the screen of my television with it. And then while walking through the hallway, my daughter had this wrestling match on, the results on her little TV, and I picked it up and threw it out her window. So now I've got to replace two televisions and a window. That match is none other than the WWE Women's Tag Team title match, Becky Lynch and Lita versus Damage Control. Believe it or not, and it, it, this pains me to say this, my stomach is still, ugh. But believe it or not, Becky Lynch and Lita, the has-been, are your women's tag team title champion. What? So let's not put these up-and-coming superstars, let's not let them keep the titles and go to WrestleMania and face Shayna and Ronda Rousey. But no, let's get the man who is a singles competitor, a singles competitor, and a has-been, 
that hasn't wrestled and been in the game forever, let's let them take this, their spot and the spotlight at WrestleMania and have the titles. And they're going to lose them. You know they're going to lose them. These guys ain't going to keep these titles. This ain't going to be a, a title run. It's a joke. And what in the world is Trish Stra- What is this? Recall of the dinosaurs? Who are we going to have next? Sable come out? What is Trish Stratus getting involved in this match? Why is she even there? Why is she even... Okay, so I've got to stop because my blood pressure is going up. I don't want to cost myself any more money. But there you go. Your thoughts, sir. Well, Kentucky guy, I know that you're less than thrilled with the result, but the crowd that was there seemed to love it. I mean, they, they gave a big pop. What do they the know? Man and for Lita... Stratus. Um, Lita definitely proved that she could still go in the ring. What? You know, this was, a, this, this was, what can I say? It was a feel good moment for Raw. Are they going to keep the titles for long? Eh, chances are probably not. But it was still one of those feel good shock moments that only comes around every once in a while. And you got to, you got to praise WWE for taking a little bit of a risk every now and then and, and shocking the world. Lita still got it. Are you on dope? What did she do? What she do during that match? Trish Stratus is the reason why they won that match. Lita still got it. Okay, so, and then I want to talk about something really quick, and we'll let you have the next two headlines. Uh, Seth Rollins came out, and he interrupted Miss TV. <laughs> I thought it was great. He actually did a, another stomp on Miz while Miz was out. He took Miz's phone, and he used his, uh, and he called Logan Paul, FaceTime Logan Paul, had Logan Paul on the screen. I thought that was pretty cool. And Logan Paul has agreed to be at Raw next week to go face-to-face. As Seth told him on the phone, he was dodging him. And I you know, I just thought that was a good segment. I'm normally not too big of a fan of Miss TV because it always ends the same. But I did, I did like that, how Seth did use the phone and got Logan Paul on there and what have you. So uh, what would you think about that segment? Always, always entertaining. Seth Rollins is. I, I, I think it was good that they did the FaceTime and actually had an appearance from Logan Paul, even if it was just up on the Triton, uh, the Titantron, because they could have just done a quick. Uh, Seth Rollins calls him on the phone, and and we hear what Seth Rollins says, but we don't hear what Logan Paul says back. So I appreciated that they uh, got a little creative with this segment, and it'll be interesting to see uh, their promo work next week when Logan Paul appears live. Yeah, on you Raw. know Logan Paul. I was thinking about it when I was watching it. He had to have been dead tired on that call because he was just in Saudi Arabia for his brother's boxing match the night before. I watched him. I, I actually watched that boxing match. So he had to be like, phew. He was back in the U.S. because they left early that morning. But I think that is a heck of a flight from where they live. And uh, so kudos for him for you know sticking with it, even though it was just a FaceTime call. You know, that's still, I, we know the guy's busy. He's got his own power. I mean, I give him a lot of crap because I, I'm not a fan, but he's got his own power drink. He's traveling all over the world to promote it. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he is taking the wrestling somewhat more serious than I thought he was going to. I can appreciate that. All right, sir. So you have the next two headlines. Let's do it with the buzzard. AEW. Always two. AEW. Jeff Hardy did an extensive rehab stint in Florida. There has been no discussions about a return to the ring. So Matt Hardy gave an update uh, on his brother Jeff Hardy on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast. The first thing Jeff did whenever he got the opportunity, he traveled to Florida, 
He stayed 90 days and did an extensive rehabilitation stint. Really, really intense work on himself. Then even after that ended those 90 days, he was doing outpatient, where he was going every week. I would say altogether, when it was said and done, of treatment on himself, being there and trying to rehabilitate himself and get to the bottom of this, he probably did 170 days. So, the change in Jeff Hardy... He goes to TNA, there's the Victory Road incident with Sting, that was the final point when it came to pills. He would never touch a pill again, and he hasn't, he never did. Then once drinking came along, that became like his main vice. It's the worst, alcohol is the worst. That's where that started, and that's where those problems started happening there, and obviously it continued to grow and build and build, and that led to what we have with him right now. So Matt Hardy continued, alcohol was was harder than anything else for him to kick. There were times when he first came to AEW, I mean, he would go weeks without doing anything, but once he would get a little started, it would quickly turn into an avalanche. That's just kind of how he is. That's kind of how his personality is. I think he understands that now more, just the fact that he had so much on the line, and like legitimately, this could have cost him a large chunk of his life. He was trying to do the work and treatment. He had legal people that were trying to help him out as much as he possibly could. The help that he went and got during this time, I have just seen such a different version of him, and it's not one that's trying to play the game. He's just happy he got out. He's just changed in so many ways. I don't want you to take my word for it. I just want you to follow him going forward, and we'll see what happens. I mean, could I be wrong? Of course I could, but this is the most drastically different I've ever seen my brother, and I will say that over the course of decades. I mean, this is going back to like 2003 when he started first started having issues. Matt Hardy said, so many people say, oh my God, I just smelled Jeff Hardy coming back, but that hasn't been talked about. Will it happen? I mean, maybe. Will will it not happen? I don't know, but I mean, this isn't something that has been talked about at all at this point. Look, Jeff Hardy's had a long history with addiction in WWE, TNA, and now in AEW. I said it before, I'll say it again. I think he's put his body through too much hell over the years, done too many crazy stunts, that this is kind of what led to him turning to pills and alcohol to help numb the pain. I 100% support Jeff Hardy getting clean and getting better in real life for himself and his family, but I don't think he should be in such a rush to get back into the wrestling ring. I think he really needs to think about his future, and if he wants to prolong having a healthy life, I think he needs to stay out of the wrestling ring. Yeah, I agree 100%. Also, I think he's had way too many chances, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again, and then again. There's too many smaller individuals, smaller kids that look up to this guy for him to set the example that he does. He's not setting a good example whatsoever to any of the kids out there that watch wrestling. And I want kids to watch wrestling because I want it to live. I want it to be here long after I'm gone. And, you know, for generations and generations. And this is just one of the things, man, where you have superstars. And I tell people this on the other program all the time when I talk about celebrities. Do not put these celebrities and superstars on a pedestal for your kids to look at being heroes. Your kids' heroes should be firefighters, sheriffs, people that actually do something to the community. Yes, everybody enjoys people that are great at sports. Everybody enjoys a good actor, good actress, or what have you. But they're not always the best people. And they're definitely not role models that you would want for your kids. So I don't think you should be allowed back. That's just my personal opinion. 
I know that everybody doesn't agree with that, but I think he's done. I think he's had way too many chances. I said it when he was with the WWE, and uh, I say it now. I, I think I think he should be done. So I know that you've got a couple more headlines, and I do as well. I think we're going to save them, save them, and uh, because we're running out of time. And let's go over our prediction for the uh, AEW Revolution real quick uh, before we end the episode. So let's talk about the main event, MJF versus Brian Danielson for the AEW World Championship 60-minute Ironman match. My pick is the champ will retain. What say you? The champ will retain. Let's let's talk about the, the real Iron Man here, the American Dragon Brian Danielson. He is going to capture the AEW World Title. Yes, 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 Brian Danielson all the way. Yeah, that's blasphemy, blasphemy, blasphemy. Uh, we have uh, John Moxley versus Adam Page, Texas Death Match. I got Moxley winning that one by a landslide. Your thoughts? I also have Moxley winning that match. I think this match plays to his strengths, especially with his history in uh, uh, hardcore matches many years ago. You know, Adam Page will put up, a, put up a fight, but this is John Moxley's match to win all the way. Then we have for the TNT Championship, Samoa Joe versus Wardlow. Even though I don't like either one of them, I'm going to pick Wardlow to win the title. Your thoughts? I feel like they're building up this match as if Wardlow's going to win. But I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to think outside the box here and say Samoa Joe's going to retain. Oh, that's right. You're a big Samoa Joe suck. I forgot. Uh, Jamie Hayter versus Ruby Soho versus Saria for the AEW Women's World Championship. Oh, I didn't know that was that match. I didn't know Saria was in that match. Uh, I've got Jamie Hayter retaining, though. Your thoughts? I also have Jamie Hayter retaining. I, I I still think it's way too early to uh, end her title reign. I think somehow Britt Baker is going to get involved. I still see Britt Baker being the one to dethrone her when that does happen. And then we have the Guns versus the Acclaim versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen, the fatal four-way match for AEW Tag Team Championship. Oh, okay. I didn't even know, realize that this match was happening this way. Oh, man. I thought Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal had got a one-on-one -on -one with the guns. Shoot. Well, I still have uh, Jay Lethal and uh, Jeff Jarrett being the winners. What say you? I'm going to shock you with my prediction uh, here, uh, Kentucky guy. I'm also going to go with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. I don't think this is going to lead to a lengthy title reign for them, but someone's got to get the belts off of the gun club, and at least why don't you put it on two proven talents at this point? Put it on Jay Lethal and uh, Jeff Jarrett. I, I don't see why it couldn't be lengthy. Jay Lethal's in his prime. I mean, he is a fantastic. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. The GOAT's going to win this match. It's his time. Ricky Starks, you had a nice little run, but yeah, buddy. Bye-bye. Your thoughts? Yeah, Ricky Starks is one of the future stars of AEW. I, I see him uh, beating the GOAT. It's going to be a hard-fought battle, uh, but uh, Ricky Starks is going to prevail. Boy, oh boy, you are on crack tonight. Then we have Christian Cage versus the Jungle Boy. Uh, Yeah, Jungle Boy is not going to win this match. I've got Christian Cage. Who do you have? I'm going to go with Jungle Boy in this. I think they've been stretching this feud out for a while, and I think they've all roads lead to him finally getting revenge against Christian Cage. And then we have a match that I'm going to shock the world 
on my prediction on this match. I'm going to, everybody's going to fall over. We have the elite defending their AEW trios championship title. And I predict that we will have new champions and house of black. will even though I love the elite for some reason, I like house of black as well. Not almost as much as I do the elites. And I see them walking out as the new champions. Your thoughts. I think outside of the main event, this is going to be match of the night. And I think we're going to see new trios champions as well. I think it's going to be a hard fought battle, but I'm going with house of black. Did it shock you that I picked them? But, uh, yeah, it did a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It shocked. <laughs> all right, sir. That's all I have for this episode. How about you? That is it for me, Kentucky guy. All right, folks. So thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to against the Matt wrestling podcast. With your hostess, Donnie Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, you can listen to another episode after this and the one before and the one before. As always, God bless and God bless America. Thank you all.